0: Why don't we begin with a quick word of prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we pray that this morning you would bless our study of your word so that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts may be pleasing in your sight. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen. All right, so evidently, I think we have um, three weeks left of women's Bible study. Just sort of by... uh, by definition, because four weeks from today, neither of the pastors nor I will be here. So, we, that's a good time to end. <laughs> so, so, we're going to do these three weeks on the Lord's Prayer um, and uh, see how it goes. Um, so that's chapter 7 is the first one. And, you know, of course, you look at it and the first chapter is on, well, it's on, I guess it's on verses 5 through 9 of Matthew 6. So there's a bigger chunk there, but as far as the Lord's Prayer goes, it's on the words, Our Father who art in heaven. Which, you know, when you're a vicar thinking about teaching a 45-minute Bible study, you say, man, how am I going to talk about that for 45 minutes? So you can help me out here, try and (laughs) fill the time a little bit. But no, we've got lots to talk about, and Bailey has lots of really helpful things to say. So let's begin by reading the text. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. And it's important to note here that this follows in sequence um... follows right after the beatitudes um, so we have the beatitudes and then in chapter in chapter five of matthew you get all kinds of other stuff that um, that it, well there's lots of different ways of looking at it but one of the more common ways to interpret is this is this is the ethics that jesus is putting forward so he's saying you know you had the law of moses now Here's what I really mean. So, not only is adultery, you know, uh, having relations outside of marriage, but even if you think about it, that's adultery, right? And if you hate somebody, you're committing murder in your heart, right? So, Jesus is is taking the law and he's saying, well, so, if you think you can keep it, try this, right? Well, that's one way of looking at it. Um, You know, the other way is to to look at it in a really gospel-oriented sort of way so that we, we, sweet, we see these things and, of course, we're convicted, you know, when we read about lust and divorce and oaths and retaliation and loving your enemies. We are convicted, but then we have this great comfort that Jesus does all of these things, right? So Jesus does these things, keeps the law perfectly for our sakes. Um, and then we... Then, so that leads us into, then, this, uh, this discussion about prayer, which begins on chapter f- on, in chapter 6 on ver- verse 5. So... Is there a volunteer, somebody who would please read verses 5 through 9a of chapter 6? Go ahead, Mary. And
1: when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have. Need of before you ask him. In
0: this man therefore Do you want to read the first line of the prayer then also? Our
1: Father in heaven, hallowed be your name.
0: Alright, thank you. So the this is the this pretext for the, the Lord's Prayer is, is really kind of packed full of interesting things to think about. So the first the first little paragraph deals with not being hypocritical while we pray, so don't stand in the open places and gain attention from people while you're praying. Right, that's number one. The second one is, don't pray with, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. Um, For your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask. So those are those are the two, the two negative examples, and then Jesus gives this positive example. Um, before we before we dive into that though, let's let's think a little bit about what. Bailey has to, has to say. I think it's always helpful to just ask the question, what stood out to you about Bailey, Bailey's chapter on this subject? And also for those who didn't read it, it's always nice to, nice to review a little bit. So, what, uh, what are the main points that Bailey brings out of this section of Scripture? Nancy. Well, I I, mean, I think it's kind of
2: what you've already said. But first of all, that... Um, it was done in Aramaic, which indicates that you don't have to have a special official uh, religious language. Good. And then, of course, uh, you can be direct and humble. You don't
0: have to have your flowery language. Good. I just want to spend a second on this notion of it being Ar- in Aramaic. This isn't, this isn't exactly obvious. Um, and Bailey spends a little bit of time on it, but I think he cuts a corner and doesn't give you all the information that you need. Um, so the, the texts that we have... Um, the most commonly that we're dealing with are in Greek. Greek texts of the New Testament. Um, it is scholarly consensus now, though, that Jesus spoke Aramaic. Um, that's, that's a given. And so the, the consensus then also follows that when Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer, when he began with our Father, he used the Aramaic word, Abba, which is um, different than the Greek word pater and also different than the, the Hebrew word av, Right? Um, so, that stands out. That's unique for a couple of reasons. For one, because the, uh, the, the normal way to pray for Jews was in Hebrew. Um, Hebrew was sort of the, the divine language. And uh, Bailey points out really helpfully how you, Christianity is unique in that our sacred text, the Bible, is translated in you know, and, and Nancy knows about this from personal experience. And in, in, so, what is it? 6,300 languages and, and only 1,300 are left to be translated, right? So, the, the, it's, just, it's expanding um, into all kinds of languages, whereas if, you know, it, in Islam, the Quran has to be in Arabic, right? Um, and, and if you were, when, when things were a bit goofier, um, people thought that the King James version of the Bible was the, well, I mean the authorized version, right? This is God's the king's English is God's English, God's language, right? So, um, in that sense, just sort of the opening word of the prayer, Jesus is being kind of revolutionary. Um, he, he's showing us that, uh, that the gospel is for, for everybody, for Gentiles as well. So, good. Um, and then also, you know, Bailey makes this, this strong point about, about the sort of the dearness of the word, Abba. So, this is the first word that Children would learn the, the you know, the, the word. Even today, um, this is the word that they, they, they call their father in, in an endearing way. Holly. Excuse my ignorance, but
2: does anyone speak Aramaic anymore?
0: Yeah. Is that a good language? I, is it spoken? It's spoken? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want, and I, so the, I think that there's, I mean, there's a lot of variation. So, like, the Greek that, we, that is spoken today is vastly different than New Testament Greek. Um, and I think that's probably pretty similar. So, but word, but a word like Abba, uh, that you know, that runs through um, through history. Good. Is the Quran not translated at all. It is translated, um, a, but it isn't. It isn't any longer God's Allah's word. You have to pray in Arabic. That's R- yeah. Okay. Even if you don't understand the word you're saying. Okay. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty strictly, pretty strictly followed. It's not there's not much room for for leniency there. Any anything else about Bailey? What else did he talk about, Carol? Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and it, and it, and that's true on multiple levels. So first of all, you know, Jesus scandalized everybody by calling God his father. That's the first thing. And, it, and the prayer, you know, he may have prayed frequently, you know, my father, you know, my father in heaven, and so forth. So that's one one scandal. And then the, the second scandal is that when he is teaching his disciples, he's instructing them to pray in the very same way that he's praying. Um, so, you know... But it's not, you know,
1: his father, it's our...
0: Father. Yeah, right, exactly. Yep, yep. So, good, yeah, an excellent point, yeah. And... Um, I think this is helpful to reflect on these things because we we pray the Lord's prayer so frequently that often we take it for, we take it for granted. And um, you know Luther Luther uh, talks about the small catech- or about the catechism, and by the catechism he means the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed. And he says in those three short texts you could you can spend your whole life unpacking what they mean. And he and he means that literally, like he ha- wrote extensively on each on each word. Of the, of the Lord's prayer and so forth. Good. Okay. What else? Um, on page 101, the
2: male and female metaphor. Yeah. Up, I, um, someone and I were talking about the shack, It's like that common book that was written from a kid's perspective, like an illusion of what God is. Okay. And like the, they picture God as, like, this southern black mama. Okay. And, you know, it seems totally ludicrous. And, of course, I still think it's ludicrous. But on page 101, I thought it was really interesting that because there's a lot of... um, For people that don't love their father, don't relate to their father, there is no room for them in Don because, you know, he's so... Asking. So masculine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the way that Bailey talks about, you know, you, I, you don't think of these things. The only thing that came to mind was, you know, how I long together Jerusalem like a head gathers or chicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Bailey points out that even in the Old Testament there are references to, you know, the God who gave you birth. And, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was interesting, like, trying to marry God as female, you know, having motherly attributes. Right. And yet, trying to reconcile, like, well, then how was the church
0: the mother if God also, well, I, I don't know. I, I yeah. And so, we, I mean, when we speak figuratively, yeah, when we speak figuratively, it, it becomes difficult to, oftentimes things overlap and we find ourselves being perhaps inconsistent or we, we, we have to be careful not to stretch the figures too far. That's the, that's the thing. But it is, I mean, it's, a, it's an exceptional point that he makes um, that which is which is neglected, you know. It's, uh, um, it's a it's a it's a specifically maternal image that's being used in these cases, um, which is of course. I mean, so that 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 then raises the question, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. Why is it important to talk about God as Father? What does that do for us? Can can we just toss that out, toss that figure out if we don't like it, right? Can we only use can we use only the the maternal? metaphors for god um, and, and you know the the there, there are a couple of reasons uh, just you know one of the main reasons it has to do with the relationship between jesus and god the father is is that jesus is begotten of the father that's what fathers do they be they beget you're not a father unless you have begotten somebody else right so that, so that i mean that's important for understanding our identity um, both as humans and as Christians. Well, so we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about that later. But uh, it's, uh, it's a very helpful point to consider um, why, we, why we should even talk, talk about God as Father in the first place. Yeah. Father? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure where, where that use comes from, where they start calling priests fathers. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's been a long time, I think. Um, so that's a good question. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, so, so in that sense, I mean, so w- when we talk, when we say pastor, um, we mean something in particular, a shepherd. That's what a, a pastor is, a shepherd. So it's, in that sense, just describing a different, it's just a different way of describing what the role of that person is, um. Uh, so that's that's you know one way to look at it, but um, yeah, it it is challenging, um, but but uh, lots of lots of unmarried pastors do do that work because they have they 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 know what they need to know from scripture okay, from to, right yeah good okay Krista
1: I heard some some years ago a priest who was very very excited that um, they uh, that God is a mother. Yeah, You know, that was very, literally very strange, but uh, I think, I don't know, was it um, a time in the Catholic Church that they are just um, proclaiming that God is a mother? You know, I don't...
0: Um, I, I, uh, I, don't know, I don't know that that has ever happened sort of uniformly, yeah. But, yeah. but there have been, I mean, especially since the rise of feminism, there's yeah. been, a, there, you know, a push for yeah. addressing God as mother, right? Good. Okay, anything else from Bailey? Anything else you want to bring out? Um, Let's see. One thing to think about, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to the word father. Um, Bailey, on page 99, mentions Christians have often used the word father and given that word meanings based on experiences with human fathers. And so... Um, this is a question I want you to maybe you can reflect on, and we'll talk about it: is uh, whether it whether or not you have whether or not it's difficult to picture God as Father um, based on what you know about your Father. I mean, even simply as a sinful human being, um, has that ever struck you? Have you ever thought, "Well, I hope I hope God's not like my Father." You know, <laughs> so it's, keep think about that. Um, but before we get there. Uh, the first question that I have on that printed page for you there um, is, why pray? And Pastor Brzezik has been talking about prayer extensively in, in adult Bible study on Sunday mornings, which is, and, and it's, um, I think he's he certainly answered this question um, very thoroughly. So, <laughs> not, not that I'm quizzing you, but what's the answer? Why should we pray? Okay. Good, yeah. So uh, that's, that's, in fact, one of the reasons that Luther gives um, in the large catechism. He says, we pray because God promises that he's going to hear us. That's, that's a great reason to pray. What else? What other reasons? Good, yeah. Yeah, so you, if you never talk to your spouse, then things are naturally going to decline in your relationship, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, if or if they don't talk back. Right, it could be that. <laughs> Good. So now, um, what is it that uh, we have to talk to God about? And so, it, it, exactly. So in, in, at a very basic level, the response of faith when we hear the gospel um, is a prayer of thanksgiving. So Jesus says, I love you and I give my life to you. And you say, believing in Jesus is saying, "Why I thank you. You know, I really appreciate that. Um, so that's that, that's a... Exactly. Yeah. hmm And then he he takes it a step further and, and and invites us to pray for things that we need, to pray out of necessity. Um, uh, and this is, I think, often um, one of the one of the challenging one of the obstacles to prayer. Um, so we can think of, you know, we can we can reflect on our blessings and think about things that we have to be thankful for. But we seldom do a very good job of thinking about what we really need, about what our, truly our needs are. This is why, in some sense, it's easier for us to pray for other people. Um, you know, somebody, I, somebody comes to you with a problem, and it looks like Pastor Brzezik said when he was presenting on John Kleinig, you know, we can't solve people's problems. You know, um, we can't, m- most of the time we can't solve them. They're impossible requests, but we can pray for them, right? So we, we pray for other people, the things that they need but we have trouble because we ha- we have difficulty identifying what it is that we really need. I don't know, is this an experience that that, that you have that um, you you know Jesus invites you to pray for your own sake but you don't know what you should pray for? And I
2: think on Sunday pastor about praying within the name of Jesus. Yeah. So like if you can't can't find something to pray inside that name. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if the thing that you want to pray for you cannot find within the names of Jesus, right. then you maybe perhaps need to reevaluate
0: your prayer. Exactly. Your need. That's right. Yep. That's, and so this is why, why the Lord's Prayer is, is exceptionally helpful because when, if we pray from our own impulses, so I think about the things that we think we need, um, it's easy to go to get derailed and pray for things that we don't need or things that aren't good for us Um, And if you use the names of God to sort of regulate that, so, you know, in what capacity is God going to answer this prayer? Or if you use the texts that we've been given, like the Lord's Prayer, to sort of say, how does this petition fit into what Jesus has invited me to pray? Um, that's, That's sort of one way for us to make sure that we're, you know, praying for what we truly need. And also, when we don't know what we need, when we can't think of need... A, a need at all i mean it's it 's kind of a desperate situation to be in because on the one hand it shows that we 're we 're not really aware of our condition that we we need everything from god, um, and that 's where praying the lord 's prayer comes in really handy because it reminds us of all these things that we need we need from god surely right yep absolutely yeah so and and, and um i mean this is this becomes obvious as we go along, but that if you ever have any doubt about the, the validity or usefulness or worthiness of your prayer, you can't go wrong when you pray Jesus' words, right? You, you can't go wrong. You're going to win every time, right? So, I mean, the most, the most, one of the best things I've learned this year has been this, uh, this phrase that Pastor Bruza keeps repeating, this quote from, who's it from? Um, yeah, Bernard of Clairvaux, right? When you pray, Jesus will either give you what you ask for or something better. I mean that is, that's brilliant. That's really, really, really good stuff. Um, and it, I mean, so the the note about about solitude and, and um, setting aside time. These are things that we um, that are really helpful because precisely because it's difficult to pray. So you know, it's it's important for us to acknowledge first of all that we have trouble with this. The
2: the, the nice thing about the Lord's prayer is that it doesn't matter if you're poor or rich or whatever your situation, because it's not a specific thing, yeah. I mean, deliver us from evil, I mean, who doesn't need that?
0: Exactly, <laughs> well,
2: yeah. And no matter where your station in life is, it's, it's like the, per- the perfect prayer to right. ask for. Yeah,
0: and it's an invitation to, to you know, to fit our needs into, into that yeah. category. Right, yeah, great, good. Okay, so, I want to spend a little time on the, the text that comes before the Lord's Prayer. So we have these two two negative examples. Don't be like the hypocrites who stand in the, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners that they may be seen by others. So this may be an obvious question, but um, humor me. (laughs) Why, Why is it, what is so dangerous about standing, praying in the synagogues and standing on the street corners so that others may see you pray? Right. And, and I think that that's the, that's the real point which comes out of, out of the text. So, the hypocrites who stand on the street corners so that they can be heard, I mean, they're praying for the wrong reason. Their prayers are not real prayers because they're not motivated by necessity. They're not praying for the things that they need, but they're praying for, for another reason. Um, for, yeah, for show, to, to display their piety, to, to, you know, assuage their pride. Um, Prayer, the prayer of faith, comes out of necessity, and so. In that sense, you know, the words that the specific words we're using is a secondary thought. You know, the the need is the is the primary thing in a in a, a genuine prayer, of faith. Krista. My old pastor, he said one time, I wish there would be people who are praying. They all know. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's interesting because even that seemingly pious reason to pray in public sort of mistakes the reason that we're praying. You know, prayer is not even, it's not even so that others can witness and come to Christ. I mean, your prayer is bringing the need to, of other people to Christ. So it's, I mean, if somebody happens to see you praying and um, is compelled by the gospel as a result of that, that's incidental, right? That's not the, that's not the reason we're praying, Yeah. Okay, so then, so that's that's about hypocrites. Now about these empty phrases. So don't pray like the Gentiles who heap up empty phrases. Oh, sorry. First of all, a question about the hypocrites. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. What's the reward? Adulation. Adulation. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is going to go away. I mean, it's it, it's that speaks for itself, right? It's going to fade, and they're going to be unpopular again. So. Um, Okay, now the, hip, the Gentiles who heap up empty phrases. What does that mean? What are empty phrases?
2: Yeah. Go on and on and on with honorifics like we're trying to, you know, how they say get on
1: the good side kind
0: of way. Right? right. Exactly. So, so much, of, um, so much of, of rhetoric, of being a good speaker, um, and this, was, this, is, this is true throughout history, so much of that is... Um, saying things persuasively, you, you, s- perhaps even at, at the cost of content. So if you, can say, if you can say something in a persuasive way, it doesn't really matter if it means anything. People, people may believe you. Watch, watch yeah, right. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's a perfect example, right? So, um, you know, that, that's sort of the, the, the opposite idea, right? God doesn't need to be persuaded, and, and the text says it d- directly there. Um, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need. So, the point is not persuading God to give you blessings. He's he wants to. Okay, you don't have to convince him, right? Um, so, so, but if you spend your time trying to convince him, the the notion that you're working with is certainly that you can leverage God, right? Which is which is dangerous. That's counter to counter to a relationship with God. Jan, well, I think too, uh, all kinds of it's like when Elish. Eli- Eli- Elisha or Elijah, I can never remember which one makes fun of the priests of Baal and says maybe god's maybe God's, maybe sleeping. god's sleeping or maybe he's in the bathroom going <laughs> <laughs> exactly like, well, never like, you don't do right yeah yeah I mean it, it speaks to it, so this notion that's being at, that's at play here speaks to uh, all kinds of all kinds of different ways that we relate we relate to God and listen to his listen to his message um okay let's uh let's keep moving here now I give you this quotation this is just sort of a um, point of interest to illustrate how um, words can be empty. This is uh, from an article about why you shouldn't read the news. Um, and it goes, it's, I'll just read it to you here, real quickly. It says In the past few decades, the fortunate among us have recognized the hazards of living with an overabundance of food and have started to change our diets. But most of us do not yet understand that news is to the mind what sugar is to the body. News is easy to digest. The media feeds us small bites of trivial matter, tidbits that don't really concern our lives and don't require thinking. That's why we experience almost no saturation. Unlike reading books and long magazine articles which require thinking, we can swallow limitless quantities of news flashes which are bright-colored candies for the mind. So you can think about what that means for reading the news, you know, sort of on your own. But I think the implications for, you know, for prayer are um, are profound. Uh, Tidbits that don't really concern our lives versus, um, you know, uh, uh, the story of our lives, which contains our need. So if you think about if you think about your life either in, lives either in terms of news flashes, you know, Twitter uh, tweets, or or a novel, you know, where there's where there's meaning and depth and issues are and, and needs are fleshed out. Um, that's that's the difference in between empty phrases and Prayer, which comes from your necessity. So, I'll give you the link to the article if you want to read the rest of it. Maybe it'll the, the whole point, one of the one of the points is you waste you waste time reading the news. So maybe maybe you'll save some time if you are convinced. <laughs> okay. Now we talked a little bit. I have another question here on my page. What if we have no needs? We talked a little bit about that. Um, scripture is is. is um, in the way it proclaims the law, is spoken by God to precisely to show us our need. And if you look at the context of the Lord's Prayer, what came immediately before it, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, is a great example of, of how God shows us our need. So, you know, just like if you don't know what to pray for, and you, you can pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, in the same way, if, you, uh, if, you, if you, you're trying to decide what you really need, Scripture informs you. Um, and and that's that's the context here. So the disciples have heard the Sermon on the Mount, and they say, "We're in trouble here, Lord. Teach us how to pray." You know, we've got a, we've got all this stuff that we're, we're 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 falling short. All this need. Okay. Let's see why the Lord's Prayer. We've talked about that. Um, this quotation um, from Martin Chemnitz is helpful. Uh, Let me just read it real quickly. It speaks for itself. And then, uh, if you have any questions, we can talk about it a bit here. In prayer, the heart ought to be penitent and humble. But because we, for the most part, rush into prayer without proper consideration of our sins and unworthiness, the practiced use of words is profitable. For if the mind gives heed, I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Thus, this meditation prepares the heart for serious repentance and true humility. The desires of our hearts are commonly so out of order that men neither think about the order nor the outcome of those things that they request. But the words we use in prayer make us aware of those things upon which we are to think when we pray. Doubtless, the rehearsing of and meditating on God's promises stir up, kindle, and increase our faith. So if you ever, if you ever hear the argument that, that prayers which are you know, written for you, prayers which aren't ex corde, aren't, you're not making them up on the spot, that such prayers aren't any good, here's the, here's the answer right here. Those prayers are helpful because they, because we can't concentrate, <laughs> you know? We can't keep our, our, our minds straight about these things. Okay. So now, um, any questions? Any comments? Yes, Barbara. Is a
1: question, a comment, a comment,
0: Whatever it is. It it's,
1: it's, <laughs> I, I, in, in my husband's church... They always have a, a church prayer. It's a smaller church. And, you know, the pastor and, and their evening service on Sundays um, always goes down an aisle and just any any prayer anybody has, you know, he writes them down. And, they pray. and I mean, this, like, takes a half an hour sure. to do this. And I, I'm always bothered by that. And maybe that's because my father was very German, okay. and I think it's, you know, he's, he used to always say that when you had individual prayers that were about yourself, you, you did that individually, you hmm. did that in the closet, Sure. you did that, but when you were praying with a group of people, it was more of a general prayer, it was for hmm. peace in the world, it was for things that everybody would be concerned about, their prayers are, we're going on vacation, please give us safety. Well, if every, everybody goes on vacation, yeah. I mean, if everybody asks for a prayer for when they went on vacation, you know, or, you know, I've had a really bad day today, please, you know, everybody has bad, I mean, if everybody did that, you'd be, well, we've been it, prayers take a half hour. Yeah. And, and they're little, but they're more personal, and it's like, I, I just feel that's not the place, to, and, and, the, and maybe that's, like I said, my <laughs> father was very German, <laughs> and it was, you keep things yourself about yourself. And
0: I think, you, I think it, that uh, there's a really practical issue at stake, right? So, um, this is why our prayers, in the our prayer of the church on Sunday morning is, is pretty concise. Um, and a lot of churches, it's easy to turn the prayers into announcements, right? So, right. Uh, I'd like to pray for so-and-so, you know, because, and then you tell everybody what's going on, he right? So graduated, and I'm so, yeah,
1: well, yeah, that's good, but you know, everybody graduates. <laughs> everybody exactly, that. right. It's, it's, it's so, almost like being conceited they're showing
0: off they're So showing so yeah, you you're right on the one hand um, prayer is not the is not the time for announcements on the on the other hand um, we we do pray for people in particular um, because in the church the we we're, we're we're praying for each other um, so we do make general prayers but but also it's a, it's a time for us to to lift each other up in our needs and the needs of our brothers and sisters, so there, there is, a, I think, a, though, a delicate balance, and there's a there's a way in which it can go very, very awry and can lead to conceit, um, and, and so that's that's you know that's why we always temper things a little bit. And if you, uh, if you, for instance, the 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 way we, things go around here, if you have a prayer request um, for some you know somebody who's sick, we, we'll pray for two weeks, and then if if you, and then we're going to stop praying unless you say you know please continue to pray, Uh, precisely for that reason, because things get bogged down, and the real needs, the true, the genuine, you know, of course, we don't, we're not making judgments about what other people's needs are, but we want to make sure that um, we're keeping our prayers earnest. So that's, I think that that's the, that's sort of the measuring stick, is the, the divide between triviality and earnestness. Um and, and and this really practical question as well. So I I mean yeah, I think and and German sensitivities sensibilities, too come into play there. I can see that. Jan, go ahead. Did you have a No. Oh, I'm sorry. I think some people some people I don't know, it's all personal. In in some sense yeah, they're they're definitely yeah. For and prayer is, is is for our comfort. So yeah. I think when Yeah. 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 So I mean, it, it, right. And, and what and what the church does, what we as a congregation do, um, is in some ways a matter of is a matter of preference, and also making sure that things run, run smoothly, that our prayers are um, that the, that they're not a distraction, and that they're that they're that they're uh, done in faith. So that's yeah, Hel- helpful things to think about, Holly. I also think um, I appreciate
2: the way that we do it because I think sometimes. When people have some, a real need, like say they lost their job and they have yeah. to be added to the to prayers, they don't want to tell everyone, I mm-hmm. lost my job. Right. And you have to the prayers because then, you know, those really nice, dress up ladies go in the kitchen and <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're lost his job and he's a lazy fool. Yeah, right. So this way, there's, God, has, God knows. Yep. Pastors know. They couldn't counsel on how they made. And then if, Somebody really cares about that person. Exactly. People go and say, what's going on? Do you want to share? Can I grab you at home? Right. So, yeah. I think it's nice because maybe those people wouldn't say a lot of prayer. They would just keep you embarrassed.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, it's it's really helpful um, to be, to to establish this habit of, of, of bringing our needs in a sort of a discreet way. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay, so... Well, we're running out of time here, so let's see. Um, I thought I was, you know, what happened? Um, I know we got made it to Father. So, so how about this? Um, we'll just—I gave you that picture there on the side, um, which is supposed to illustrate our Father who art in heaven. What do you think about that picture?
1: I think it's wonderful.
0: Yeah. Is that what you picture when you when you pray Our Father who art in heaven? (laughs) How does how does the picture in your head look different than that one? Oh, sure, okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So the 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 things that are brought out by this are, are 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 true attributes of God. So, sort of his sovereignty. His, you know, his he, omnipresence. So he's he's up in heaven, which which permits him to govern the whole world. Um, he needs to be on his throne. He's right? yeah, he's kind of just floating there, shoes. and he needs shoes, right? Yeah, you know. yeah, I, and I think I think that that's that's a helpful thing. Uh, I, I don't I don't know whether this picture is helpful or not but um Jesus says if you've seen me you've seen the father and um when we pray our father the 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 meaning the 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 thing that's communicated there is the, is the nearness of god to us so bailey makes this great point about how um you know in 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 uh jewish culture and at the at the time you know there was you couldn't travel right you couldn't travel long distances and so families Stayed together, and the father was in the home you know for generations and so um, when you pray father you you 're talking about somebody who's right there and uh, the one thing we we 're not going to talk about is all of the different ways God it, you know is father to us, so he meets our needs um, in a way which he knows best, and um, he loves us like the the so, the father of the prodigal son and so forth but then we also get this notion of our Father who art in heaven, which I think we run the risk at that point of thinking that God is distant, you know, especially for us uh, who tend to, we tend to think of heaven as somewhere up there. Um, but the, but the, the point which is communicated when we pray our Father in heaven is that God is, is, is going to give us heavenly things. That's, that's the, the measure of his gifts is that they are of a heavenly quality. And being in heaven means that he can reach into any part of our lives. So, um, this last quotation from William Willimon and Stanley Hauerwas, I think, pulls that together. And we'll just end there. He says, they say, Because we call God the Father who is in heaven, we are bold to pray for such absurdly extravagant gifts as bread for the world, peace among nations, healed marriages, cured cancer, rain. We are bold to pray for such gifts because we pray to the Father in heaven, the one who rules. Um, so uh, held in tension are these two things: a father who is near and a father who, and a God who is in heaven. And I, that is, uh, that sets the stage for all of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer. Okay.
1: And, and Jesus is sitting
0: to, uh, to the right side. That's right. Yeah. And, and it, so Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, which means that He can even be here on on, on our altar on a Sunday morning. That's uh, that's the right hand of God is, is God's power everywhere. Right. So, okay. and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes. All right, so next chapter next week, and maybe if you see a lady who wasn't here today, just mention that we, we will not have, the 17th will be the last women's Bible study, the 17th.